Guess how much time the average American parent spends with their children on a weekday? Guess how much? The average American parent spends 37 minutes a day with their child in quality time. Now, you may be right there, or you might be doing more, might be doing less. Uh, over thousands of adults who were polled, they admitted and agreed that this was a real problem. And then they were polled to why is this a problem? The two leading factors of why so little time was spent, quality time with their children, number one was long work hours, and number two were complex school and activity schedules that their children have. I was at a at a gym this past week, and some friends that I've uh, become closer to disclosed to me that they don't come to church anymore because their sons are committed to sports every Sunday with their leagues and their tournaments. And we live in a culture, don't we, where we're, we can be easily influenced. Uh, it starts innocent enough that we want the very best for our children. We want them to be successful, to be effective. But there can be an unhealthy shift and almost too much focus on excelling academically or in sports. And there, we really are at risk, aren't we? There, because there's a spiritual cost to it if we excel in so many other areas, but yet we neglect the spiritual lives of our children. We're at risk of, of, of being child-focused in our family rather than Christ-focused. And, and so as we look at this series called uh, Altered Family, last Sunday we looked at what happens when we, we put our marriage at the altar. The altar is a raised area where we, we bring an offering to the Lord or a sacrifice to the Lord. In the Bible, you may remember the story where God had blessed Abraham, gave him a promise that he'd be a father of, of many nations. But he, he and Sarah got a little bit older, right? And didn't look possible for them to have kids. And then, then they had a child, Isaac. Imagine being a parent, like not thinking you're ever going to have kids. And then you're blessed with one. And how the gratitude could turn very easily into being a child-centered family. Would that, that might have happened in Abraham's heart to the place where God tested him. And said, I want you to lay Isaac at the altar. Will you trust me? And he went to the top of a mountain with his son and laid his son at the altar. But it was there when he, when he proved to be faithful and obedient to God, to be more faithful to the Lord, that God provided a way out, that there was another animal that would be sacrificed. And he, he gave Isaac back to him to raise, and that they continued that legacy. And today, that's what we're going to talk about, what happens when we, we lay our children at the altar, I've got three children of my own. One, we're celebrating 21 years of life right after church today. And I've got another 19-year-old and another son who's still in junior high. And, and the time goes by quickly. But I know that, that I've dedicated them, like many of you have, when they were babies, unto the Lord. But there's this continual dedicating them every day to the Lord. When we are faced with challenges, our problems, the highs and the lows. We must continually bring our children and bring them to a place of an altar. So what does that look like for you? How do you raise your children in the way of the Lord? What does it look like to lay them at the altar? Because it should be your desire to help them become a devoted follower of Jesus, right? But parenting isn't easy. It's rewarding, but it's not always easy, is it? There was a five-year-old uh, little girl who was in the backyard playing with her dog, and, and she, was, she, she was brushing her dog's 
teeth. And her dad was really intrigued, and, and he asked her what she was doing. And, and her little, the little girl said, Daddy, Daddy, don't worry. I'll return your toothbrush like I always do. <laughs> Parenting is not easy, but it it's, it's certainly is rewarding and a lot of fun, isn't it? Uh, your child is your greatest discipleship opportunity. It re- your child really is. And, and you are selected by God to be the primary influence in your child's life. Now, as a, as a church family, we want to come alongside of you. And we can do that on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. If, if your child is a teenager, and we, we give you a, a, a small group leader and, and hopefully other friends that can encourage your child. It's so important to be connected to the local church family. But we're only here to assist you, to encourage you, equip you to be the, the parent, the primary spiritual leader. Some of you don't have children yet. And, and the Lord is one day maybe going to give you a child of your own or to foster a child of your own. And, and you're going to discover principles found, found in the word of the Lord to help you. Because if you apply God's wisdom to being a parent, you can be effective. And you might be here and being a grandparent. And you're like, well, my kids have already left the nest. Your job's not done. You are incredibly valuable to this church family, to your own family, because of all the experiences, positive and negative, there's some wisdom that you've learned and that you can apply and help young parents as well. And we need you. And so we're going to open up God's word. Let's do that together to Psalm 127, Psalm 127. And we're going to discover some principles from God's word that will inspire you to be a godly parent and raise up your children in the fear of the Lord. Because there's good news here. There's good news that you, the Bible's not silent on parenting. It's not silent on raising the next generation. Our children are the future of this church. Your children are the future of this country. And I've been in ministry for 25 years, 12 years here, helping to lead this church family, 14 years in student ministry. And I've seen uh, the statistics, and I've seen it true in, in our church, where four out of five students after a year of graduating high school, when they're in college, are tempted to, to leave the local church. They're tempted to not be as active in their faith. But the primary factor for them staying active is a, go- is a godly mother and father who's active in their faith, who love Jesus with all of their, their, li- their hearts and their soul and their strength. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. It's an interesting verse. It's interesting for me because just yesterday I was reading one of my favorite authors, F.W. Borum, and an essay that he wrote called The Eagle's Nest, and he was commenting on this very verse today. And he said, I I confess that once upon a time, this text puzzled me, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Is that quite true? Is it not possible for a man without asking the divine help to build a house? It is. And the text does not deny that it is. It simply says that building a house, he builds it in vain. For the house that he builds will never be anything but a house. And and who wants to live in a house? We love to live in homes. And it only comes by the magic touch of a divine hand that houses become homes. The heathen have no homes, says one of our most acute philosophers. They have but houses. And you have an opportunity in front of you to decide, do you want a house or a home? Do you want a house that reflects the culture that you live in? 
Or do you want a godly home that has that divine touch because you are crying out to God for his grace and his spirit to help you? It's your choice and your decision. Scripture goes on to say, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. Your children, we know our children are maybe our greatest gift that we receive from from heaven, but they're also a reward. They're a heritage. Verse 4, notice the metaphor that the word of God has for your children. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. In other words, blessed if you have lots of children. Now, I challenged you last week, husbands and wives, that this past week would be a good week and that hopefully you've done your job to increase the size of your quiver and many arrows, right, for the glory of God. But let's look at this passage of Scripture and, and discover your, your responsibility. Like The Bible says that you're your children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior that with diligence and focus, your, your children can have great purpose. God has a plan for your kids, and he wants to use you to help shape them, that they can discover who they are in Christ and what their purpose on earth is for them. May you consider that your chief purpose in life as a godly husband, as a godly wife, as a godly parent is to transfer, transfer your child's dependence upon you to the Lord. To, to transfer their dependence upon you to the Lord. Because when they're young, they depend upon you for everything, right? Like, they depend on you to provide food and, and, and protection, clothing. If they get sick, they depend on you to take them to the doctor, right? And that's fine when they're little, But at some point, they need to be dependent upon the Lord. They need to see their identity as a son, a daughter of the Lord, and they're dependent upon him. Now, that doesn't happen by accident, all right? It happens when you're intentional, modeling and raising them. Because how many of you would agree that that it's okay for a child to depend on you when they're young, but it's a problem, and it's just plain wrong if they're 40 years old, and they're still in a high chair, and they're living at your house, and they're expecting you to provide for them and to feed them? Like, that's just wrong, right? So how how do you raise them to be dependent upon the Lord? I want us to look at the the word of God because it's going to help us. 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, and this has been a verse, it's really been my prayer over the last uh, couple of months for you. The apostle John, who's older in life, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in. In truth, I ask that that would be your prayer, that when your children graduate high school and they leave the nest, that they would walk with the Lord, that they would walk in truth. And doesn't that idea, doesn't that vision just automatically bring peace and joy in your heart? Because the alternative of them hardening their heart and not walking in truth, there's a, there's a lot of sorrow and there's some grief there. And some of you are experiencing that right now, but I don't listen to the enemy who would lie and say it's always going to be that way, but rather inspire you to have a prayer and have a hope that that prodigal son, your prodigal daughter will eventually come home. And may our church always be a place that they can come back home to, amen? Define and be close to the Lord. But I, this verse, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. And my prayer has been that for you. And uh, I just want you to know how much 
we love you, that our, our, our Stephanie and I and our leadership team, we've given the best, some of us have given us the best years of our life for this prayer to be answered. And we're, we're serving you to the best that we can. We're encouraging. We just want you to know how much we pray for you and that we love you and that the greatest desire of our heart is that, that you would walk in truth, that you would walk closely with the Lord, that you would continue to grow in love with Jesus every day of your life and that you would be close to him. That's our greatest desire and prayer for you. Again, how does that happen? I want us to look at the word home today. All right, let's look at the word home as an acronym. And the H in home, remember that it stands, if you want to raise your children in the way of the Lord, to strengthen your family, H stands for harnessing the power of prayer. Harnessing the power of prayer. To pray over your children, to pray with your children, to pray for your children. Pray over your children. Don't delegate prayer to anybody else. Don't delegate prayer to another pastor, to another grandparent, to another parent. You seize the opportunity. One of the greatest things that you can do for your kids is to pray for them. And I'm not talking about just little token prayers. I'm talking about laying hands and praying for them, crying out to God in private, in your prayer closet, in your altar space, and pray over your children. Because when you pray, what happens supernaturally is like there's a greater dependence upon the Lord. And whatever your child is facing or whatever you're facing as a parent, the let, the, during your prayer time is where the Lord wants to speak to you. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you grace. He wants to give you a vision and words to encourage them. Your prayers will shape the destiny of your children. But you got to pray. you got to be willing to pray and realize the value in prayer. It was 1787, that near, nearly over 200 or two centuries ago, when our, when our country was trying to form the, the Constitution of the United States, that they kept hitting an, uh, a stalemate. They weren't making any progress. And it was Benjamin Franklin who suggested they open the sessions in prayer, crying out to God for help and wisdom. Now, the delegation decided not to receive this proposal. And it wasn't because they didn't see the value or benefit of prayer, but rather they did not want to expense the money to pay a chaplain to lead them in prayer. Now, can you imagine that? Never delegate prayer to someone else for your children. You pray for them, and not only pray for them, but you have devotions. You find that family altar with your children. I, I can remember when my children were really young, before they could ever read. I, I remember one, looking forward to the evening time. I'd, I'd, I'd crawl up in bed with them, and we'd have a, they each had, would have a special uh, stuffed animal. One of them was Leroy the lion who would tell Bible stories and there was a lot of humor and engagement. And, and then when they got a little bit older and they could read, we'd go through the action Bible together. And, and again, we would have other stuffed animals that would be puppets and it would be engaging. I'd love my children to have fun and engage the word of the Lord. And, and then as they got older, they would read and they would spend time abiding privately, and then maybe we would come back together. And now, whenever it's the holiday time, or, or just a couple of days ago, I had all my children at home, and it's, it, morning doesn't pass when we're all together. We don't seize that 
moment where we read a passage of scripture, read a chapter, and they each share their observations or how God's word is going to be applied to their life, and we pray together. And I'm going to tell you, these are the most rich, most are, uh, the time that you can steward, the, talking about quality time, when that's a prime a priority, you watch how that shapes their lives, spiritually and in, in, in every area of their lives. And you watch how that, that brings a bond together in a family when spiritually, when you make it a priority, make God's word a priority and prayer a priority, it will strengthen your family. So first, harness the power of prayer. Second, the O in home is order. Because what's the opposite of, of order? Chaos, right? And if you've got a lot of little kids, there's just no way around it. There's going to be a little bit of chaos at home, right? How many of you will acknowledge that? Like, yeah, yeah, if you saw my home, it is a little bit chaotic. And, and, but there, there, need, there needs to be some some order because when there's good godly spiritual order at home that what's that going to bring it's going to bring stability it's going to bring a strength there's going to be peace and again it's not going to happen by accident it's when when you apply God's word and apply wisdom to your family that there can be order at home and there's a chain of command that helps establish what that order is the head of your house is who should be the lord right Jesus, and he has delegated his authority to your father, the, the, the dad, and then the mom, but you guys are united, and then next, children, all right? How, how many children do we have here? If you're, if you're 18 years or younger, uh, raise your hand, raise your hand. All right, I'm so glad that you're here today. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, because I wanted you to discover how important it is to understand spiritual authority and how God delegates authority to your mom and dad, or he delegates authority to any leader in your life. It could be a coach, a small group leader, a pastor, a teacher, and how you respond to your Leaders in your life with your attitude and actions reflects ultimately how you respond to God. And so let's discover that Ephesians chapter 6, God's word is talking to all of our, our children, our students. It says, children, obey your parents in the who? In the Lord. Jesus has delegated his authority to you, moms and dads. And so students, as you obey, and then later it says, Honor your father and mother. This is the, connected with the very first commandment with a, with a promise, referring to one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother so that your days in the land will be long. So you must understand that when you obey your mom, when you honor your dad, you're obeying and honoring the Lord. Isn't that good? You see that connection? But here, here's what I want you to understand as well. Because you're going to be tempted, and you're going to make mistakes at times. You're going to be wanting to be selfish as you grow a little bit older. You'll be more independent. You think your way is better than anybody else's way. and that We've all been there. But if you choose to have a bad attitude, a rebellious attitude, that rebellious attitude uh, defies what God has for you. Because you are not just defying and being disobedient to mom and dad. You're being disobedient and dishonoring to God. Because that's what God establishes it at home, that it may go well with you. And then, it, and then scripture says, I want to talk to you, moms and dads, and, and specifically fathers. He says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. To bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. 
And so let's talk a little bit about discipline, all right? It, it, discipline, I know it can be a controversial word. There's a lot of different philosophies or styles of leadership in the church, outside of the church. Should I spank my kids? Should I not spank my kids? What does God's word say about it? Well, God's word says, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child, right? And, and so I, I grew up just very grateful. I was kind of a, a type A, independent heart, and, and I needed like my dad to spoil Thank me and my mom to discipline me and, and establish a, a fear of the Lord. And, and, and they never did it in an abusive way. And at the time, I maybe did not agree with it. But I look back now and I thank God for every time they had a conviction and they had some tough love. But again, let's talk about discipline, okay? Here's some principles that we can discover from God's word. And just to be... Uh, transparent with you. These are principles I've learned from you, uh, parents in our church family. Because when we started our church, our kids were really, really young. And so I've learned from you how to discipline, how to raise our, our children. So first, write this down. Grace and truth are the foundation for discipline. Grace and truth. Grace is I love you no matter what. Truth is I got to be honest with you no matter what. It means we're going to have this hard conversation. There's going to be discipline. There's going to be consequences to bad behavior, especially if it comes from rebellion. But understand this, you must earn the right to discipline your children. How do you earn the right? You earn the right through winning the hearts of your kids, through love and compassion. Psalm 103.13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So as a father shows us great love and compassion and gives us gifts, we need to do that as well. We must see the nature of the Father God in heaven and, and be imitators of that and, and win the hearts of our children. Proverbs 3, verse 12 says, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father and the son in whom he delights. And so how do you discipline the Lord? How do you have the right to discipline and correct in the Lord to your children? You win their hearts. How do you win your child's heart? You spend time with them. Quality and quantity time. They're going to know that you've won their heart by the look in your eyes, by the tone of their vo your voice. And, and, and you spend just time with them. Do you love, do you wrestle on the carpet? Do you, do you have monthly or bi-monthly one-on-ones or weekly where you're just quality time and you're taking walks and you don't have a big agenda and you're listening to understand and you're speaking over them and you're praying and you're loving and, and, and win the hearts of your children Win the hearts of your children. And then when time comes where you must discipline, you've got enough love deposits. You've encouraged. You, you've been there. And now when there's times of correction needed, you can discipline. Here's another valuable, practical principle I've learned with discipline. All right? Teach your children immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. I've learned that delayed obedience is disobedience. Right. Expect immediate obedience. If, if you are a counting parent, reconsider, all right? Because what happens when your child is running towards a busy street? If you have to yell stop and they're waiting for you to count, it's going to be too late, right? And so expect immediate obedience that when, you're, when you give that word, when you give that request, that there should be immediate, re because if you don't and you let it go, you're teaching them that they, it's okay to spend time. And that delayed, just is, is, it's not okay with our Father, God, right? It's, and so it shouldn't be okay with you as well. Here's another 
principle. Distinguish between immaturity and defiance. In other words, discern the motive of your child's heart whenever there is a mistake. Because you don't need to just jump on them and, and, and be hard if it's just a mistake out of innocence and immaturity, right? Discern that. But if it's a, if it's a sin out of a rebellious heart and there's, there's deception, lying, whatever that is, you address it and there should be a, a harder consequence. There should be more discipline, right? But distinguish that. It's very important. Your child's good, not your selfishness or anger, must be the basis of your correction. Never discipline or correct when you are emotional or angry because you're going to say and do things you regret. Even if you have to just pause and you have to take a walk or, or calm down, pray. Love, I, I would say don't, don't discipline your child unless you've wept for them. Like really ask for wisdom on what you're going to say, how you're going to communicate it, because they'll never forget those moments, right? Discipline with consistency and love. Discipline consi- consistently and in love. I think it was... Dobson, who said the two areas that you must be consistent when it comes to discipline is when your children are really young is mealtime and bedtime. Mealtime, like, I don't know about you, but how many of you were raised where your mom, whatever they made or the parent, you were expected to eat everything on your plate, right? That's how I grew up. I remember as a kid, my mom made liver and onions, and I stayed at that table for over two hours, but I couldn't leave the table and I wasn't going to be able to have like fruity pebbles an hour later if I didn't eat the liver and onion. It was like not like you eat and you're not going to leave until you eat. And some of you have compromised so much on mealtime. You may say, well, my, my little, my little Timmy, he only likes to eat chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. If that's the case, you have failed a long time ago. But there's hope. There's hope, okay? There's hope. Don't let, don't, I don't want to bring too much shame to you, but there's, there's going to be hope. All right, so, so bedtime as well is another a time where they're going to they're gonna push back 10 more minutes, 20 more minutes. But when they're young, establish the bedtime because they're learning very young what the boundaries are, all right? And so they're understanding. They're going to understand fear of the Lord from the, a healthy awe and respect for you as a parent. Now, if you have missed the mark, that's what sin really means, missing the mark. If you have come up short, whether it be discipline, a lack of quality time, not having prayer, devotions, and, and the Lord is speaking to you and inspiring you today, I, I encourage you to sit down today, this week, with your children and just be honest. Be authentic. Come to them in humility and say, hey, mom and dad, we, we missed it here. And, and we see what God's word, we see how important. So we're going to make some changes. And, and listen, these changes, they may not believe these changes are going to last. They're going to test the boundaries. But I encourage you to follow through. But first, you might have to just confess and say, I'm sorry. We've messed up in this and come up short. And hey, we're going to do that. I've messed up more times than I can count. But it's always wise to humble yourself and just say, hey, I'm sorry. I've messed up here. And you just watch how you model this, uh, how your children will forgive you and that you can continue to move on. But it's important to have discipline and order at, at home. So the M in home stands for model. Model. Your example is the primary means for training your children. 
Your kids will learn more from your life than from your lectures, more from what you do than what you say. And it's important, trust me, it's important when it comes to spiritually for you being active in your faith, that coming to church faithfully matters, serving matters, whether it be volunteering in this church or helping people who are in need in your neighborhood, how you treat the widows, the poor, the sick, those things matter. They're watching, like how you resolve conflict. Are you spending time with the Lord? When it comes to giving or tithing, they're watching. Like there's been times on the front row where I've had to come up here and teach and I've given the check to my son and he has seen like and he knows like this is the tithe from our family to the Lord he'll never forget those moments like your kids won't forget but can I tell you that in your serving and your and your works may may the motive for your serving and giving and doing be fueled by a passion and love for Jesus May your relationship with the Lord be so alive and so passionate and bring you so much joy that your passion for the Lord radiates and they can tell that the reason for your serving is not out of duty or of a hard heart or you're going through the motions, but because you have a fervent first love for the Lord and it's just spilling out in every area. Like your children are watching how you talk to each other, moms and dads. Did you know that your children would rather you demonstrate more love to each other rather than to them? Did you know that? Like how you treat and how you talk and how you love and the romance that is there. Like that, they would rather that happen because they know that the home's okay. Mom and dad are good and that brings safety and stability at home. Josh McDowell said, we do not develop habits of genuine love automatically We learn by watching effective role models, most specifically by observing how our parents express love for each other day in and day out. When you face obstacles and challenge and trials in life, how you journey through those moments, your kids are watching. Do you do it with joy? Do you do it with a trust in the Lord? Or do you panic? And again, not everyone's perfect. Maybe we grow in the maturity of the Lord. But I encourage you to to be proactive, to think about how you're going to respond to the great trials of life. And if there can be a peace and a joy and a trust and a love in the Lord, no matter what you face, you are giving a testimony to your children that will last beyond your years and days here on earth. And it's important. So M is to model. And then finally, E is to equip. To train your children the way they should go. Right? So there's a lot of wonderful books out there to help you as, as parents. But do you know the greatest, most effective book ever written? Right here. Your Bible, right? Scripture is sufficient. It's enough to equip you to be a godly parent. When you are daily abiding with the Lord and you are aware of, through the lens of a parent, what are principles that you can model and teach your children, the Holy Spirit will, will help you. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all Scripture... Is breathed out by God and profitable for what? Teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God, I would say, that the parent may be complete, equipped for every good work. Ephesians 5, 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Take on the nature of God that you were created in his image to be a a godly father, godly mother to your children. Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? And he said, to love the Lord God. He's referring to Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, your mind, soul, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So if we could distill all of that just to two things, 
that you would want to instill into your children, it is to love the Lord, to submit to him as Lord, and to love him with everything that they have. You do that through modeling, and you do that through teaching, encouraging them, right? And then to love your neighbor as yourself. Not just get along with people that they naturally get along with, but how to love your enemy, how to love the spiritually lost, how to love the hurting, the needy. And you model and you teach, your children are going to be just fine, I promise you. But it's not going to happen by accident. It happens as you are dependent upon the Lord, and the Lord wants to give you his spirit. It's alive in you. He wants to give you grace to help you even when you make mistakes that he wants to redeem, and he wants to help you become the parent that God designed you to be. He selected you. He's given you your gifts, specifically your children's gifts for you. And what are they? They're arrows, right? They're arrows. And your children are are God's arrows. They're arrows that are not meant to be stored in the quiver for no purpose. We read that according to Psalm that they are in what kind of hand? A warrior's hand. Right. They're they're not just for practice, not just to to go through the motions, but there's purpose. Like your child has a a purpose in life, a God-given purpose that they have unique, a unique shape uh, that that you are to, that God's calling to help cultivate and that they can discover that. But again, your, your child is like an arrow in your hands as a warrior not to be kept in safety. And I know part of it is a parent, we want to protect and shield, but they need to experience consequence. They need to be, as they grow a little bit older. But listen, the greatest, one of the greatest rewards is when that you can see your child as an arrow and not hold them close or protect them always, but to see them, to have purpose. And an arrow in the, the hand of a warrior, there's purpose, right? There's purpose as a warrior hunts. As to provide, as a, as a warrior protects the family. And so you see your children, and again, at time, from time to time, you may miss the mark, but with focus, you can see your child, and you can see how important it is to love the Lord, to model, and then to send out your child as an arrow to fulfill the calling and to fill the purpose that is on their heart and in their life. And it's one of the greatest rewards when they walk closely to the Lord and they're serving others and they love God with all of their their heart, their soul, and their mind. You know, this, this altar has a lot of significance for me, this specific altar. There's three of them just like this. And every Thursday night during the fall and spring semester at UTSA, our Chi Alpha College Ministry have them at the front of their worship space. And oftentimes they'll spend time at the altar and praying. It was two years ago that uh, I I was there at a service and there was a response time and I came forward and I knelt at this altar and my daughter knelt beside me, Hannah Grace, who's just turned 21. And I was reminded when she was three years old of when we almost lost her. And uh, it was in a near drowning accident where she took off her floaties and got in the deep end of a pool and we lost her. We didn't know where we were at, where she was. And some friends brought her out of the water. She was unresponsive and had, she spent some time in ICU. And um, the Lord reminded me at that altar that I had dedicated her to the Lord. And really since the age of three, that we've kind of been on bonus time. She's the Lord's, God has a purpose. And two years ago, as we were kneeling and praying, the Holy Spirit called my daughter to be a missionary. 
Now, uh, I, I always had just private preference of my daughter always being close here and serving. And, but I've got to trust that God's highest good for the kingdom for my daughter is wherever he wants her to be. And he's going to protect and he's going to take care of her. But when that moment was happening, we were both shedding tears on this altar. And if our tears could stain, it would have stained these altars. And I, I, I continue to make it a priority over all three of my children, a dependence upon the Lord. I pray for them. And I just, as we're in the presence of God in just this very intimate moment, I want you to bow your heads. And I just want you to call your own children's names before the Lord and ask him for help.